1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to the availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details.
2: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Zarin? Elizabeth. Zarin? Elizabeth. What's up? How you
3: doing, girl? Good,
0: good. Listen, you know what's ridiculous? Oh,
3: my oh. God. I'm so glad you asked. Yes. I've been waiting to tell you. Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Right?
3: Okay, you know the Night's Watch? You know nothing, Jon Snow?
0: No.
3: You, do, you know the show, right? Okay, there's a show called of Game it. of Thrones, I've right? Not,
0: I've not seen it. You've never seen like, it? Like, okay, I, you know, I joke. I yeah. say I don't watch TV. You uh-huh. know, I watch a... Hell of a lot of TV, <laughs> yes. but I've actually I don't watch. I've never, you've never
3: watched, seen Game of Thrones. Uh, it's not even a single minute.
0: No, I've seen like a minute or. Here, okay, well,
3: but... are you familiar that there are guys on the show who are wearing big furry black jackets? Sure, coats? you've seen them. Sure, they're called the Nights Watch. Okay, all right. Now those big dope black shag that they're wearing. It turns out that those were made from I, they look like they're enormous bearskin rugs yeah, or, like or like some kind of like buffalo wha- like wear yak. Yeah, exactly, yeah. like saber-tooth <laughs> yak. Uh-huh. Anyway, so those were actually IKEA rugs.
0: <gasps> Get out of town. <laughs> they,
3: they were like shaggy white IKEA floor rugs that they then dyed black and then they like tailored into coats. So the next time you watch The Night's Watch those are Ikea rugs. That's very clever. Sorry to spoil that show, but it spoiled itself.
0: Spoiled it, yeah. From what I've heard, yeah. No, that's very clever. Ain't that
3: ridiculous?
0: That is ridiculous. <laughs> Ikea rugs. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I'm
3: going to be doing that. I'm getting all my clothing at Ikea floor shows.
0: Okay, this sounds good. I'll drive you. Uh, do you know what else is ridiculous?
3: No, that's why I'm here.
0: Holding out on Legs Diamond.
3: No. Mm.
0: This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always ninety-nine percent murder free and one hundred percent ridiculous. <sighs>
3: you damn right.
0: <laughs> Welcome back. Bye. Once upon a time there were two boys, Maximilian and Yako Okay. Half brothers, fifteen years apart mm-hmm. in age. Uh, the family lived in Poland at, like, the turn of the 20th century. Uh, they were hard workers, but terribly poor. Hmm. Maximilian, he had been working since the age of eight.
3: Hmm.
0: When he was nine, he got a job as an apprentice for a wig maker.
3: Hmm, okay. That's probably uh, good work. Yeah,
0: a nine-year-old in yeah. a
3: wig Well, there's that, shop. I'm sure. From there. They had some chemicals that were not good I'm for pure. children. <laughs>
0: His skin's turning blue. Uh, he got a job at a cosmetics and hairstyling company in, oh, Ber- work. in Berlin. Oh, Okay. And then by the time he was 14, he was working at a wig maker and cosmetician in Moscow. Wow. Dolling up the Imperial Russian Grand Opera. Wow. 14 years old.
3: Whoa. Yeah. Forget the child labor laws. I'm impressed with his talents.
0: And the time, the speed that he's, yeah. yeah. So he served in the Imperial Army in Russia for a spell. Okay. And then he opened a shop and he sold handmade makeup, perfume, and wigs. Hmm. Good good call. Yeah. That's a nice thing. All of the theater folks loved and used oh his God. products. They were so into it. I bet and he's then, innovative, too. Yeah. Well, he was. And he was eventually chosen as the official cosmetics expert for the Russian royal family, hmm. and as well as, as the opera.
3: What do you do for a living? I am the cosmetics expert for the royal family. Yeah.
0: That sounds good. Uh, it drew a lot of attention to him and his young family, but not all of it good. Because I've mentioned in other episodes that there was incredible anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe at the time. Ah, yes. Not just discriminatory, but violent. Oh, yeah. No, real, like, bad, bad violence. So in 1904, at the age of 27, Maximilian and his family went to America. Good call. Yeah. It's a common story. Once there, they met up with his older brother in St. Louis. Meet me in St. Louis, he said. They said, sure.
3: (laughs) Said, I'll be there.
0: Uh, But what of Yakko?
3: What What of Yakov? I've been wondering about old Yakov. He
0: and the rest of the family met up with Maximilian two years later in 1906. Mm -hmm. Yakov was 12.
3: Is Yakov like Jacob? Jacob?
0: Yeah. Uh, So Maximilian, and that's M A K S -S Y M I L I A N. Whoa. It's a Maximilian. I love this. Totally. Uh, He was taking the world by storm.
3: Okay.
0: Uh, Folks, Maximilian Faktorowicz was a hit.
3: Oh, wait a minute. I'm hearing it.
0: No, you don't. He had the opportunity to sell his cosmetics at the 1904 World Fair. Uh-huh. He changed his name to something easier for Anglo-Americans to pronounce, uh-huh. something punchy, memorable. Yes. Unfortunately, his business partner made off with all of the stock and the profits.
3: He changed his name to Maybell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybelline? No, am I close? <laughs> Go on.
0: Uh, L'Oreal. Uh, So Maximilian was crushed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, his family was there for him, though they helped him open a barber shop in St.
3: Louis. (laughs) Like how about they're like I know you've been
0: high flying and doing how you want to cut hair at a barber shop. How about shaving
3: haircut two bits? Who wants to sweep hair? No, not me.
0: No, so it would be a good business for him though, as he got back on his feet.
3: Yeah, uh, people need to do hair all the time.
0: Totally, people have hair.
3: Yeah, they need it, or they need hair. They need it cut all the time.
0: People like to gather up the hair at the barber shop and Mm -hmm. and like save it. Yeah,
3: well, like Elvis.
0: For dinner. For dinner.
3: (laughs) Save it and bring it over as a treat at a dinner party. As as
0: delectables. So anyway. That's disgusting. Barbershop. Uh, But he didn't give up on his dream, though. Okay. A few years later, the shop was doing really great business, and he even brought his half-brother, Yakko, into the mix. Okay. like I said, Maximilian wanted more. Hmm. He headed to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And he opened a shop selling hair care products, and he positioned himself to be like, the makeup guy in the new film industry.
3: Oh, under his new name, Estee Lauder.
0: Right. So then soon, <laughs> all of the starlets, they That's... wanted his, his... You know what his name was? That's... Wet and wild. Uh, <laughs> all of the starlets wanted his services. <laughs> he wanted, he, uh They. Everyone wanted his yeah, services. All
3: of the starlets Let me say it one more
0: time. All the starlets wanted his services. They wanted his
3: services, Elizabeth. Who?
0: Gloria Swanson. Ooh. Mary Pickford. Need services. Jean Harlow. Loved the services. Claudette Colbert. Here for the services. Betty Davis. Oh, Joan Crawford. Service queen. Lucille Ball. Oh my goodness. And friend of the show, Judy Garland. Yes. Yeah, he had all the luminaries. He invented Clara Beau's heart shaped lip look. Oh,
3: that was the that's thing. That's huge. Yeah.
0: He also pretty much invented like pancake makeup foundation.
3: Clara Beau was the first it girl. She was the first time yes. we had like, oh, this is the coolest person and alive. Part Before, of it is because of him. Yeah, I'm saying that's he yeah. created the look that everybody wanted.
0: Under he did this all under a new name that he'd given himself and his. What's this new name? His Is eventual this? cosmetics empire. Yes. Max Factor. No. <laughs> Max Factor. What? Get out
3: of town! <laughs> I was so certain it was something else. I know. Else.
0: Effect Horowitz. So <laughs> while Max Factor yes. was making the beauties in Hollywood even more beautiful, mm-hmm. what of Young Macio? What of Young? We T- asked that. We asked that all the time. He founded what Dior.
3: Of? <laughs> no.
0: He changed his name to Yves Saint Laurent. <laughs> uh, no, he was still in St. Louis, yes. still cutting hair. He's
3: now known as Rudolph Valentino.
0: Yes. He changed his name too, though. Okay. And he kind of shortened it like Max did. Uh-huh. He became John Factor. John Factor? <laughs> he's got the John Factor. It's not as like cool as Max Factor. Factor. No, Max, Max Factor, Factor? That sings. Well, that it works. sounds like you're in a spaceship <laughs> yeah. and we've hit Max Factor. Factor. No, John Factor. John okay. Factor sounds like
3: something Close. that's like, oh, he's the new host of the show I don't watch. John Factor. <laughs>
0: Well, because of this job that he had uh-huh. cutting her, yeah, uh, he would later earn a nickname that he hated. I bet Jake the Barber.
3: <laughs> that is not a good name. Everyone called
0: him Jake the Barber. <laughs> so John moved on from the family business and he got a job as a barber at the Uber Lux Morrison Hotel in Everyone Chicago. Everyone
3: knows it's Jake the Snake Brutus the Barber. I mean, I know, you, you I know you how it goes. I, I know. mean, they, they might just be mixed only it one? up.
0: They mixed it up. Okay, but go on. So he's working. You want at alliteration, the, people? <laughs> he's working at the Morrison Hotel in Chicago. And just like Max over on the West Coast, mm-hmm. John catered to the rich and famous and sometimes the infamous.
3: Oh, he's the bad brother.
0: He's the bad brother. Yes,
3: thus he's on this show.
0: <laughs> right. No, it's just a story of two guys cutting <laughs> yeah. hair. You like makeup. Just wholesome hair. haircuts. And... You know what the crime was? A crime of fashion. <laughs> okay, so cutting hair wasn't enough. Yes. Uh, he had a little bit of the con man in him.
3: No, I think something a lot.
0: Yeah, couldn't resist it. 1919, he's indicted on a federal warrant for stock fraud. Yeah, so he did a big jump.
3: In 1919. Yeah, that's like 10 years before everyone else was getting busted (laughs) on stock fraud. Exactly.
0: So he agreed to give back all the money that he collected on phony stocks and Mm -hmm. the case was dismissed. Okay. So remember Addison and Wilson Meisner uh, and the Florida land boom in the Uh 20s? We talked about them. Yeah. I'm going to take you right back there. Please. Uh, Who would show up but John Factor? John Factor. He, all- too, he too got into the land swindles down there. Of course. So he's right next to him. Addison Great Meisner. magnet for
3: con artists and and, and sham up people. Oh,
0: it's ripe for the picking. Addison Meisner, he went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Wilson just got all the way out of town. Okay. Factor wasn't so lucky. He was indicted for land fraud.
3: Oh, he got caught on the swamp got deal? Got
0: caught. <laughs> and he likely he was likely selling plots that didn't even exist.
3: Oh, he wasn't even selling bad swamp land? Yeah, he land. wasn't like,
0: oh, you can build on this swamp. He's like, There's yeah. There's no land there. Yeah, go to this address. They're like, that There's, that number's there, not on the street. It's in the and water. And then he's like, yeah, out
3: in Biscayne Bay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he collected even more indictments over the next few years, mm-hmm. uh, this time for larceny, mail fraud. He had a lot of irons in the fire. Sounds like Uh, it. But he didn't seem to be too good at keeping them hot (laughs) because he keeps getting indicted. So then uh, he got into the gold mine stock scam game. Hmm. Remember the diamond hoax I once told you about? Yeah, totally.
3: The the field was littered with gems.
0: Yeah, refer to your notes. Uh Uh, The government didn't catch him on this one, but it was like similar. um, And he became a very wealthy man from it. Oh, really? Yeah, selling all these fake mine things. Yeah. And then he goes back to Chicago. So he's got all this money. He buys a 14-room apartment on the Gold Coast. Smart. Yeah, Swank. Uh, Hillary Swank was there. Um, <laughs> He was a long way from sweeping up hair in St. Louis. Very far. Yeah, or worrying about a safety in Poland.
3: It's oh, a long yeah, way. You know? good
0: point. Safety, it's a going concern. Especially in 1923, and especially in the circles in which John Factor ran.
3: Hmm. Is he uh, kind of getting mobbed up at this point? Well... Yeah. Is he in the Capone gang almost? Or kind adjacent? of.
0: Kind of. Yeah, he is. He, he gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had an idea. He, you know, he had done the stock scams before, kind of screwed up, got indicted. He has another idea. He's like, how about this time? We'll do it in Europe.
3: Oh, good call. Yeah. Just, they don't. They even have police over there. They don't know. They don't know how to
0: read. They don't know how to write. Yeah. I mean, you come know. on.
3: The old world. <laughs> uh,
0: so um, he had it all worked out. And he was sure that he could make a ton of money on this.
3: Okay, Uh,
0: He needed an investor, though.
3: Always. You always need a money man. He
0: needs someone with money and no morals. Ah,
3: I'm always looking for that myself.
0: He knew just the guy. Did he? Your guy. Yes. In late 1923, Uh he made his move. He went to none other than your guy, Arnold the Brain Rothstein. I was going to guess this.
3: <laughs> I didn't want to ruin the timing of you, what you were had to say, but I was like, is, am I, who, who's going to be the investor? It's got to be the brain. It's the brain. The yes! brain.
0: So as you've mentioned, this is the criminal mastermind from New York who rigged the 1919 At World this series. point, he,
3: yeah, he's four years off of his greatest like poll.
0: Yeah, yeah. Factor asks him for $50,000 okay. as an initial cash investment mm-hmm. for what he explained was a foolproof stock scam. Okay. And Rothstein heard him out. And yeah. bought it. Yes, in. he would. He's like, okay, this sounds oh, good. Oh, he believed in it. Yeah. So early 1924, Factor heads to London. Mm-hmm. Once there, he starts selling these like worthless penny stocks to chumps. Okay. And he promised these fools seven to twelve percent return on their investments. Wow. And most places, you know, pay out one to yeah, two percent.
3: That's gonna beat your five-year lipper average.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh and the Motor Trend Car of the Year award. <laughs> uh so Factor. <laughs> He paid people out at first. <laughs> yes. Uh it was like any good Ponzi scheme. Of course. And the happy you gotta clients, have some early winners. Yeah, they start telling their friends. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Get yeah. a load of mail." Look at the watch here. I just bought. Yeah. This is amazing. So, factor. He starts working this. Mm-hmm. He pulls in one point five million dollars.
3: In that money.
0: In that money. Wow. And then that was his cue to pull up stakes. Yeah, I bet. out of here. He leaves town. He was sure that he wouldn't be arrested, though, because his clients were super rich. Uh-huh. And some of them were even in the royal family. <laughs> so they didn't want to make their idiocy public. It'd be oh, too yeah, embarrassing. Oh, yeah, that is the thing. Yeah, so he's right. that No one went to the cops. We
3: come across this often with the very, very wealthy. Yeah, They're like, the, oh, other people will know I'm a mark.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm a mark. It'll be embarrassing. I'll just write it off yeah. and we'll act like nothing happened. It's,
3: oh, I lost pocket change.
0: And no one went to the cops. Wow. He got away with it. So he heads back to the States and he cuts Rothstein in. We've
3: got to start fleecing the ultra-wealthy Elizabeth. We really do. I mean, wait, what is this whole telling stories thing? I don't we should, know. We should take the skills we've learned from this show. It'll
0: make me more than the lotto tickets I
3: buy. <laughs> okay, go um, on. Sorry. So
0: anyway, uh, he cuts Rothstein in. Okay, smart. He's like, here's your share. The brain, very happy. Yes. That was easy money. So you got
3: to pay off the brain.
0: yeah. So the brain is so happy that he funds another round wow. of phony stocks in London. That's rare. He yeah. doesn't
3: usually like to, because no, he just you're increasing your risk every time.
0: Exactly. So Factor headed over. He set up shop in this very expensive, very impressive joint on Grosvenor Square. Okay. And he started- Very a, legit. Oh, yeah. It's a fancy office. Mm-hmm. He starts a stock brokerage firm called Tyler Wilson & Company.
3: Sounds completely legit.
0: Totally. He tells his clients, I have a great opportunity for you. It's a stock called Triplex. Triplex. Which sounds like something now that someone would say, like, mm-hmm. anyway.
3: It sounds made up. Yeah. If you're an even now.
0: Yeah. And so, but it, it was a real stock. Mm-hmm. And it was trading at about, four, you know, American dollars, $4 a share. Oh, wow. Um, Factor said that he would turn around and buy back the stock at $6 a share. So they're going to make a 50% profit.
3: Okay. The so dupes, you buy it at $4, i will buy it back from you at 6 I don't get it. People didn't ask why do you need I don't this know. intermediary? I
0: don't know. So the dupes are hooked though. They're like, sure. 50% I love money. profit.
3: Yeah, free money, take it. Love so it. he
0: waits a bit and then he Couldn't offers. Be anything wrong with this. He offers another stock, Edison Bell, at three dollars a share. Okay. As soon as he sells them to him, he's like, turn around. I want to buy him back at six. The, so the
3: original stock, uh-huh, which he said he would buy. Its, the, oh, the okay. three dollar
0: Edison Bell stock. He's like, oh, I'll buy it back at okay. six. Mm-hmm. I still, how do none of them think this is suspicious? They're like, yeah. this sounds fantastic. Okay. Here's the thing. He was buying them back in Word only, mm-hmm. and he was selling them in Word only. He never filed any paperwork. So he they paid for the stocks that they never got and they're waiting for payments that are never processed. <laughs> so he's like, Give me, you know, give me $3, I'll buy you a share. Uh-huh. And then here, and I'll sell you here's the paper to show that I sold you back. But all he's doing is collecting the three dollars, uh-huh. never buying the stock. So Factor, he puts out the word that he has a line on two pretty much worthless stocks, Vulcan Mines and Rhodesian Border Minerals, okay. both supposedly South African gold mining companies. All right. So he, like, dances around the fact that the companies are about to blow up. He's like, I don't know. I'm just hearing these things. I don't want to say too much. You know, huge profits might be on the way. So his caginess about it made the investors drool. <laughs> they wanted in on it. And the stocks were going to, like— Nothing like 20 pence, they're okay. nothing stocks. So the investors come pouring in. Everyone is desperate to get a piece of this, and they're thrilled when they get paid out at two fifty a share, mm-hmm. uh, $2.50 a share, but they get paid in land. What do you mean? Well, they're getting deeds to plots of supposed land on like another in continent. Africa, yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. This and so they're they can't, stoked, yeah.
0: They're like, oh, look at me, I've got three acres in, <sighs> in Africa. What country? I'm a I don't landlord know. Africa. in Africa, yeah. Meanwhile, back at home, there was trouble for Rothstein. Yeah. The most serious kind of trouble. Oh. He was murdered. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's what, that 0.5%? That's rough. Yeah. So, that'll
3: make a bad day for you.
0: That's a very, that's a big trouble right yeah. there. <laughs> so, he gets killed over debts that he owed from a three day high stakes poker game. Oh, right. He owed $320,000, yes. which is almost $6 million today. Yeah, that's. Um, but he amount. wouldn't pay it because he said the game was fixed. It was rigged, yeah. Yeah. So, he was shot at Park Central Hotel, died two days later in the hospital. As he's laying there dying, Rostin refuses to identify his killer, and when the cops asked, he would only say you stick to your trade, I'll stick to mine. Yes! Won't won't say a thing. I'm
3: sorry, but that's ball. Yeah,
0: act. so that's my 0.5% here. Okay. So one of Rothstein's right-hand men mm-hmm. was a guy named Jack Legs Diamond. Oh, yes! Legs Diamond. Uh, when I was growing up, if my brother and I would be, like, dancing around, mm-hmm. my grandma would always say, like, oh, look at you, Legs Diamond. <laughs> and I always thought Legs Diamond was a dancer, it and knew. then I found out. <laughs> anyway, so Legs Diamond, he had a lot to gain yeah. uh, in the passing of, of Rothstein. Mm-hmm. It was hinted that, like, he might have been involved in this.
3: You also have to wonder how does a man get the nickname Legs like, at that time as a mobster? You know, like. He's
0: probably well, super tall. Like, yeah, I
3: know, but, but Legs? Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, everyone's like, I can't help but look at your sticks.
3: Exactly. It's like <laughs> Gams. you
0: <laughs> got some hot Gams. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, there's, there's. I would
3: suspect that the, he may have known about he it has before. So it much Yeah.
0: So, either way, Legs figured that he was picking up a lot of Rothstein's revenue streams. Mm-hmm. You know, Rothstein's gone. Here, I'll take him, yeah. you know. Uh, one of those was Factor's... Same,
3: same game, new name.
0: Right. He's got Factor's London stock scam. Yeah. So who's going to take that? Factor, though, thought that since Rothstein was now dead, the whole operation was his.
3: Oh. Because,
0: you know, like the rest of Rothstein's crew really wasn't involved. Yeah, and they it were running just, up to snuff. Yeah. Uh, so... It, Legs reaches out to Factor, mm-hmm. and he tells him to pay up.
3: He's like, look, I'm the new man on this uh, account. Yeah,
0: I'm the big boss now. You pay me. Uh, Factor, You're working for Legs
3: Diamond, see? But Factor
0: is like, call me. Factor doesn't answer. Hey, uh. call me. Doesn't doesn't call him. So Legs sets sail to England on a luxury liner to talk to Factor face-to-face. <laughs> Factor won't meet with him. What? Yeah. Won't meet with Legs Diamond. No. Instead, he closes up shop and runs off with $8 million. Ooh, yeah, buddy, eight million back then. Uh huh. Eight million oh. back then. When we come back, I'll I hope tell ran you ran to Russia. I'll tell you how that goes for Jacob. Yeah, I bet it didn't go well. Can I rant for a sec? Please.
3: As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com/slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
2: Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives.
0: Hello, Zaren. Hello, Elizabeth. When I left off, when I left you hanging. Yes, totally. Jake the barber, AKA John Factor. Uh He was on the run from Legs Diamond. Yes. With $8 million burning a hole in his pocket.
3: And Legs, I mean, he's tall. He's got He's
0: just, it takes like three strides and he's walked like a city block. (laughs) Uh, Factor, he left England and went somewhere logical
3: Mm, India,
0: Monte Carlo. And he didn't just lie low there. Uh, amongst the rest of the wealthy mhm he had to keep his head in the game. So, of course, he, he rigged the casino tables <laughs> and he broke the casino bank. Oh my God. Well done, you. Yeah. So, <sighs> he had to get out of that heat. So, in December of 1930, he went down Mexico way. Oh, yeah. That's, so, Monte Carlo to Mexico. The sole purpose was to get to Ciudad Juarez and cross the border at El Paso.
3: Oh, he wasn't doing like the Trotsky. I'm going to go see Mexico no, City, no. see the sights. He was, he was, like, was like, I got
0: to get back home. I got to get
3: back. I'm, how do I sneak into America?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Ciudad Juarez. He, he crosses the border. And he writes out a sworn statement that he was born in England, in Hull, to be exact. Okay. And that was actually true.
3: He was born in Hull. He had
0: been born in England to a Polish family who later moved back to Poland. Oh, right. Okay. So, you know, he's trying to avoid all this detection, but he's got to swear something when he comes in.
3: Now, quick question. I'm not sure if you know this. If you're born in England, does that make you an English subject? I believe so. Okay. I I'm just know. wondering. I don't sure. know how that law goes. Let's say, yeah. I don't know if we we're if citizenship is a you know, birthright. I think citizenship it's birth is rights, common.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, think I know it's, it's
3: not common in a lot of places in Europe. But I thought maybe who England. Who knows? Who
0: knows? Who knows? And who cares? quite frankly, who cares? <laughs> uh, so here's the problem, though. Uh, there was already a statement on file from 1905 that his parents had signed when they immigrated over. Oh, yeah. They not said really. that he was a Russian national born in Poland.
3: Oh, they lied. They
0: lied. They lied so, on the boy. this opened a file on him. And it didn't give him trouble right then, but it would in the future. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Factor knew that Legs was trying to, like, is going to k- try and keep finding him. He of wasn't going to give up.
3: He's Legs Diamond.
0: He's Legs Diamond. So Factor goes to Chicago and he looks for help from the <laughs> outfit.
3: Oh, man. That's probably the best the move. The Chicago mob. Go to the, yeah, go to the summit top and go, hey, can you guys outfit, protect
0: me? As it's called. Yeah. So Murray, the camel Humphreys, <laughs> took him in <laughs> yeah. in exchange for a cut of all the cash that Factor was carrying. Okay. And a couple of years later, Legs Diamond is killed. And Factor considered his debt to Legs erased. Of course, that's it. No one there's no one to collect it. And whoever comes after Legs is like, I don't know about all these other things. You know. Anyway. So, it's like in
3: Hollywood where, like, the when an executive leaves, all those projects
0: die with them. Yes. 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 So, Factor, he comes out of hiding. It's finally safe. Um, but he was immediately arrested. <laughs> and because the Brits had put out a warrant for receiving property that was fraudulently obtained. Okay. Uh, he was released on a $50,000 bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a judge ruled that he should be extradited to England. Why? Because the English are coming after him. Like, You know, it's the British warrant. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing. Like, in the time that he was on the run, he had already been tried and convicted in absentia there.
3: okay, then that changes And
0: sentenced to 24 years in prison. Hard labor. Definitely changes things. Yeah, yeah. So his lawyers said that he hadn't conned anyone at all, that there was no fraud. Uh, They said that the clients had, in fact, been given a little bit of land in South Africa as payment. Mm -hmm. And a federal judge agreed with this and overruled the extradition.
3: Oh, there you go. Yeah.
0: So the Justice Department appealed this decision, and it went to the Supreme Court. What? All the way up. He and his lawyers used every delay tactic in the book. Mm-hmm. Then something major happened. Mm. Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, yeah. Eyes I want you closed. to picture it. It's midday on April 18th, 1933, and you're a student at Northwestern University in Chicago. Yeah. You've made lots of pals, and you love your studies. Love this book. Books and paper and pencils and all that. Mm. You're standing outside the arch at the corner of Sheridan Road and Chicago Avenue. The wind is whipping, so you pull your scarf tighter around your neck and face. You're supposed to meet your friend Jerome here, and then head out to get a bite to eat. Cars rumble past, and you adjust the strap on your book bag. You wish you'd worn a thicker sweater. Two students laugh and chat as they walk by, otherwise the sidewalks are empty. You keep your eyes open for Jerome and his small, round glasses. You spot him coming down the path from University Hall, a sweet grin on his face. As he approaches you at the curb, a car comes screaming around the corner and peels to a stop right in front of you. Two thugs right out of the comics burst out of the backseat and grab Jerome on either side. His books fall to the ground. They shove a rag in his mouth and shuffle him toward the car. The driver stares at you and shakes his head. You weakly call out, you shouldn't do that, do you know who his pop is? The car races off and toots its horn. You're left alone on the sidewalk, wondering if you should call the police or John Factor, Jerome's dad.
3: Oh, snap.
0: Jerome Factor has just been kidnapped. There's a ransom, mm-hmm. $5,000, which is $117,000 today. Okay. Two days after that, on what would have been the opening day of his hearing at the Supreme Court, another ransom note arrived. This one for $50,000, which is $1.2 million today. Wow. The kidnappers said that they would send Jerome home in, quote, pieces. If the ransom wasn't paid. And a couple of days after that, another ransom letter comes. This one for 100000 which is $2.3 million today. Wow. The so they just keep amping and it amping up,
3: yeah. You better answer.
0: Yeah. Detectives grabbed the guy who delivered the notes. Uh, he was questioned for less than an hour and then released. When he exited the station, reporters are everywhere. All the delivery man said to them was, I can't talk to you guys. Murray Humphreys told me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> so... Factor assembled a crack team to find his son. Oh, so he's got Murray Humphreys, you know, putting the the kibosh on sure. everything. The cops are running their investigation, and Factor calls in men from the, the outfit. outfit. You gotta Al go Capone's with the professionals. Guys. They set up shop in a suite at the Congress Hotel in oh, wait, Chicago. Wait, what year is this? This is like the
3: fifth, uh, 33. thirty-three. Oh, so Frank Nitti's still alive. He's pretty much running it at this point. Pretty
0: much. Yeah. And so, uh, they get this beautiful suite at the Congress Hotel in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The press were calling it the Hoodlum Detective Agency. <laughs> and the cops didn't trust this operation. Oh, no. So they raided it. <laughs> and they arrested the outfit guys, Murray Humphreys, uh-huh. Machine Gun Jack McGurn. Wow. Sam Golf Bag Hunt, Tony Accardo. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Tony Accardo. Tony Anthony Accardo, Accardo. Frankie Rio, Phil DeAndrea, and Rocco DiGrazio. Dude,
3: Anthony Accardo would later do Murder, Inc. I mean, he
0: comes, he comes yeah. up. Uh, so all of them tell the same story. We're just working to get Jerome back. Mm-hmm. The cops didn't really have anything, so they booked them on vagrancy charges. You're just lounging about <laughs> in a hotel room.
3: With your golf bag. Don't worry
0: about it. Factor immediately posts their bail. Good. So almost a week after the kidnapping, there's a break in the case. Jerome gets dropped off on the streets of Chicago.
3: Whoa! Yeah, just like uh, Frankie Jr. Yes. Not a Junior. Yes, Frank Sinatra Jr. Get out here, you go <laughs>
0: exactly. But no abalone diving.
3: <laughs> no abalone so That's a shame. So six
0: men were eventually arrested for Jerome's kidnapping, okay. and three of them had ties to a kidnapping ring in Iowa. I, which Iowa, an kidnapping, Iowa ring kidnapping ring. Iowa kidnapping ring in the 30s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jerome's mother identified two of the men. She said she'd seen them driving around the house like a few days before all this went down.
3: Okay.
0: Factor then told the press his story.
3: Oh, And this is Papa
0: Factor, not Jerome. Uh, John says he's like he worked really hard on this to create dissension in the ranks of the kidnappers. Mm -hmm. So he pretended to receive the $50,000 ransom note. They never sent it. Uh, In truth, he created it to make the kidnappers think someone else was going to try and take credit for their work. And that, you know, maybe one or two kidnappers in the gang were trying to score the money out from under the rest of them. Mm -hmm. So the the lead kidnappers would be like, wait, we didn't send that note. Now he's going to pay someone $50,000 for this. Uh, so then he said he hired the Capone men to and let them get busted so that the kidnappers would see it in the papers and get freaked out that the outfit was coming after them. Huh. They're not even really looking. They just That's, put them on parade. Yeah. And he also put out false word that the $50,000 on the streets, he puts out word that it had been paid. And then the boy gets released. This
3: is brilliant. Yeah.
0: So Factor's case. Oh, my
3: God. He works doubt against them. He him. works
0: it. But, and it delays and it delays. But yes. finally, the case is back on at the Supreme Court. Okay. They're like, they set a new date. <laughs>
3: he's doing all this while he's got a Supreme well, Court case. Well, he's doing
0: it to kind of stop. Well, I mean, this just happens, <laughs> yeah, right? But, I mean, what a So life. all this happens right before the Supreme Court case. And then they reschedule. Sure. And it's coming up. Jerome's home safe and sound. Mm-hmm. Counsel for the British Crown, though, they accused Factor of staging the kidnapping in order to avoid extradition to England. Oh, wow. Oh, no, though. June 30th, 1933, kidnappers struck again.
3: <laughs> Who'd they get this time?
0: Well, they're supposed kidnappers, and this time it was Factor himself who got of grabbed. Of course, you got to get the big yeah. cheese. So Factor is, quote, released uh-huh. 12 days after he goes missing. He walked up to two cops and he told them, I'm John Factor. They're like, okay. <laughs> okay congratulations, sir. Oh, wait, a the guy, there's the missing Oh, I put an APB on him. Yeah. Uh, he said he paid his abductors $50,000 in ransom money for his release. They just throw this 50K around like it's nothing, It's like a million bucks. It's you
3: want to do? So you want to
0: And he, according to him, he paid it all in 5 and $10 bills. Oh, nice. So it's just like duffel bags. Yeah,
3: stack of cash. Uh,
0: newspaper Wire report said that Factor was returned, quote, in a serious condition, suffering from a nervous breakdown. All right, yeah. So he said in a statement to police, quote, they never harmed me, but they were pretty tough in their threats. Once they put. <laughs> they talked mean at me. They looked at me funny. Once they put machine guns against me, one in back and another in front, and they said they were going to kill me. Another held a big pair of shears close to my face and let me feel them. They said they were going <laughs> to cut my ears off. He just, like, drags the scissors down his scissors. Cutting a little girl's neck is like cutting warm butter. I'm quoting Commando. That's not what yes, I think. Yes, you
3: are. One of your favorite films. Anyway,
0: so uh, the truth is that he and his lawyers had mm-hmm. figured out that a kidnapping was a really good way to stall a trial.
3: Yeah, apparently.
0: So there are conflicting reports as to whether Jerome's kidnapping was even real. Uh, but there's, The original? The original. original wow. But there's no doubt that his was staged. Yeah. He and his lawyers knew that if they delayed the trial long enough with these various kidnappings, the statute of limitations would run out and the charges would be dropped. (laughs) They just needed now. Okay, so now they got to go back. Okay, now we got to frame. Is that
3: true that if you can keep going through courts of appeal for seven seven years or whatever? It feels like no. But, you know, I don't know who his lawyers are. I am not a simple country Now, though, they
0: need to (laughs) they need to cause more confusion and delay. So instead of just saying, well, we don't know who the kidnappers are, that sucked. They're like, we know who it was. Now we need a whole trial and I'm going to have to be a witness. Oh. So they need to frame someone for it. Yeah. Murray Humphreys, uh, Frank Nitty. Yes, Nitty? Nitty? Nitty. Frank
3: Nitty. Uh, great, was, I mean, yeah. not a great well, guy, but a great the, mobster. Yeah, he's
0: the acting boss. That now that Capone's he takes over Capone, in jail, yeah, he's yeah. Capone's number two. Uh, Paul the waiter, Rika, uh-huh. and another Chicago branch. He's so, an,
3: he's another legend.
0: Yeah, he's he's a, yeah, he's a crime boss. They all get together mm-hmm. and they picked a stooge for the crime. Okay, uh, they would pin it on Roger the Terrible Tuhi.
3: Oh, I don't know, Roger the Terrible. He's Tuhi. an
0: Irish American mobster. Okay uh Tui had been a thorn in Capone's side. Huh. You know that they he he ran all these liquor rackets and okay. Capone wanted a piece of it and and like And he's
3: a Chicago guy, not a Detroit guy.
0: Terrible Tui he, he would yeah, he's a Chicago okay. guy. Yeah. He would kind of blow it up like he had all of these um these associates in this huge operation, he would pretend mm-hmm. to be on the phone with people like, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead and kill him. And then yeah, hang up, yeah. when he was talking to Capone's guys, and like, Capone's yeah. guys are naive. Like, oh, my God. Like, he's, he's got like 15. He's a brute. He's got like a kill squad out there.
3: Yeah, he's basically got inflatable tanks. And he's tanks just talking to the in, dial tone. Yeah. yeah. he's doing That's his D-Day move. Inflatable totally, tanks.
0: Exactly. So Capone's side, like the outfit, they want him gone. Mm-hmm. This is a, he's a big problem. And this is a clean way to do it. Oh, yeah. So December 4th, 1933, Factor lost his extradition case. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court held that he should be turned over to the British, and he was taken into custody on April 17th, 1934. His wife begged a federal district court to dismiss the extradition because he had been held for longer than the two months permitted under U.S. law. Hmm. Everyone's looking for loopholes. Yeah. The Secretary of State intervened. Whoa. And he asked the court to release Factor because he might be needed as a witness in the case against Tuohy. Wow, he's
3: dirty. He's Secretary dirty. Secretary of State dirty. dirty.
0: So the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. And this
3: is, I uh, guess, what, FDR's Secretary of State?
0: 33. 33, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Uh, he orders Factor released and extradition proceedings ended. Okay. There it is. February 23rd, 1934, Tuhi and two gang members were found guilty of kidnapping John Factor.
3: Mm-hmm. I
0: didn't. Is it T-O-U-H-Y? Tuhi? I imagine Tuhi. I don't know. Sure, it's, it's, it's
3: an Irish name, so I could be totally wrong.
0: Yeah. Tuhi? Who knows? I'm sorry if that's your name and I'm saying it wrong. Tuhi, we'll say it is, he fought tirelessly to have his case reopened, but it was always denied. Oh. And even though there's more and more evidence... Uh, that he's innocent. Yeah. Just keep stacking up. He got railroaded. Up. Oh, he totally did. Gene O'Connor was in prison with Tui and uh, served a life sentence for the—he was serving a life sentence for the robbery and murder of a Chicago cop. Hmm. Uh, his, he thought that his only option was to make a break for it, mm-hmm. to escape. And he convinces Tui um, that his fate is the same. But the you you gotta go way, out with me. Only way you're gonna get out of it, we gotta make a run for it. Huh. So Tui later said, I stayed awake until dawn in myself thinking— I was without hope. I was buried alive in prison, and I would die there. I couldn't see a light ahead anywhere. Nothing but darkness, loneliness, desperation. The world had forgotten me after eight years. I was a nothing. Well, there was only one way I could focus public attention on my misery. I could escape. I would be caught, of course, but the break would show my terrible situation. What cockeyed thinking that was. My mental attitude was a mess, I later came to realize."
3: I'd say so, bro. Yeah,
0: I think so. He gets caught after a month on the run, mm-hmm. and the stunt earned him an additional 199 years on his sentence. Oh, God. Yeah, that backfired. <laughs> but in 1959, he writes a book about his false imprisonment. Of course. You know how it goes. You're in prison. That's where the
3: literary agents cal- are, apparently. It's called The
0: Stolen Years. Okay. Uh, and later that year, he's exonerated and released from prison.
3: What? For the book? It's just so it good. It kind like, like, shines oh, a light on you it. Got yeah. there? You got a book tour to do, bro. So
0: what was Factor Up to while, mm. you know, Jimmy Bookmaker over here was writing books in prison?
3: Playing golf with Frank Nitty? No.
0: Nope. Oh. Hang, out, hang out during these ads and okay. I'll tell you when we get back. Nice.
2: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at TrinitySchool.org. That's TrinitySchool.org.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is
3: going on a road trip.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Aaron. Yes, Elizabeth. Did you finish your test? Uh,
3: no, you beat me. You win again. You could, you're the first one to we be done with your we test. We do these
0: fun like spelling quizzes. Yeah, during the break, and you won math again. Math problems. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Roger Tui. He's doing time for a crime he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. John Factor, free from his extradition, out on the town. Never one to stray far from his criminal roots, he got involved in a large scale effort, later known as the Million Dollar Whiskey Warehouse Receipt Scam.
3: Ooh, that sounds That's promising. a mouthful.
0: Uh, yeah, Factor, he he's started this Delaware corporation called— <laughs>
3: Dude, who hasn't started a right? Delaware corporation? Who <laughs>
0: oh, among us? It's called United Bottling and Distributing.
3: I'm not even lying. I have started a Delaware Have you? Okay, yes.
0: good for you. <laughs> I'm in on the scam, Elizabeth. Got whiskey <laughs> receipts? Go so on. So, United Bottling and Distributing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whiskey, do you know what whiskey warehouse receipts are?
3: Uh, no, go please explain it.
0: I shall tell you. Whiskey warehouse receipts are a way to finance the liquor as it ages. Hmm. So it's basically a marker stating Mm -hmm. that you have a product that will be worth something in X number of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He convinced, John Factor, convinced owners of whiskey warehouse receipts to exchange them for bottling contracts where United Bottling would hold the whiskey until it was properly aged, get it bottled and distributed, and then send the profits minus a service fee, of course back to them mm-hmm. so the thing is there's no bottling plant and there's no distribution
3: i was guessing that
0: it's all on paper yes and as soon as they got the receipts they would turn around and sell them
3: <laughs> okay so <laughs> most... It's seems like there's a small market people would hear about this uh, really quickly think so
0: it's like a tight like, oh, community I just bought your stuff the other day from oh, this guy you don't know a whiskey receipt community yeah. um most of the receipt holders lived in iowa huh. oddly enough always with the iowa yeah it's interesting. It's not just kidding. in cold blood. No. <laughs> so when the feds came calling, they indicted Factor and his minions in Cedar Rapids. Ah, yes. And in 1942, he was convicted for mail fraud and sentenced to 10 years. Huh. He got out in six. Okay. After that, he moved to Los Angeles.
3: Good place for a con.
0: The big windy angel, baby. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so... He set himself up. Well, he borrowed $5,000 right. and he started investing in real estate, mm-hmm. which is a great that thing to do. That was the move do. then, yes. Yeah.
3: It's always the move, really. And then,
0: and then an old pal came calling. Oh, no. You ever heard of Big Tuna? And I'm not talking about Andy's nickname for Jim on The Office.
3: Oh, okay. Then Big no. Tuna. Joe, shown... ba-
0: Joe Batters. No, I don't think Bill so. Bill Parcells. A.K.A. Yes,
3: Bill Parcells. Yes, <laughs> no. I do. Thank you, producer Dave. Um, that is the only t- big tuna I know.
0: Tony Accardo. Oh, that's his nickname, that's is his Big name- Tuna. Uh huh. I've
3: never heard that. Big Tuna. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've always heard him as Anthony Accardo. I mean, like and I didn't well, even really, really hear or heard people call him Tony. His it's friends, always Anthony. His friends <laughs> out of respect call him
0: Joey Batters. Big Tuna. Yeah, I know
3: Joey Batters, but yeah. I know Big Tuna. Uh,
0: so Chicago mobster. Yes. Part of the outfit. He rose through the ranks. He went from common street hood to day to day boss to capo di tutti capi. Oh yeah. Top dog.
3: Like runner of the summit.
0: Yes. In the 50s, he was big into slot machines, mm-hmm. vending machines, counterfeit liquor and well, cigarette Chicago tax ran
3: Vegas. They're the one yeah. who they make Vegas. Right. Uh, I'm that. i that. Oh, sorry.
0: Calm down. Narcotics smuggling. Yes. They did that, too. And so, they got, like you said, they go from Chicago to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to muscle out the five families from New York who are yeah. trying to establish in Vegas. Totally. They're making a ton of cash. And so, like, while the slot machines were bringing in dough, it would have been more if they had a whole casino. Mm -hmm. Uh, And casinos are popping up on the strip. Mm -hmm. Mob wants in. Big Tuna wants in.
3: Johnny Rosselli.
0: Yes. Bootlegger Tony Carnero, a.k.a. Tony the Hat, Mm -hmm. he also wanted in. He wanted to open his own casino in Las Vegas, the Stardust, he'd call it. Yeah. Uh, the problem was the gaming license. That's
3: a tough one in it Vegas. It is a
0: tough one. Uh, I hear the Nevada Gaming Commission is tough.
3: Yeah, the Cowboys are a little uh, skeptical of <laughs>
0: exactly. outsiders. So you can't get a gaming license if you have prior convictions or associations. Criminal associations. Yeah.
3: That's the big one for the mob.
0: Right. So Tony Cornero, he couldn't get the gaming license, mm-hmm. so he leased the casino to a small group of investors. The Gaming Commission wouldn't issue the license without a list of those investors. Mm -hmm. He didn't provide it. Construction gets stalled. The lease is eventually approved, but deals kept falling apart. The place wasn't even open Hmm. at this point. And eventually it winds up in receivership. And so buyers stepped up. They wanted to buy it. They're super eager to grab this hot property in Vegas. It's about to be completed. The winning bid was put forward by none other than Rella Factor, wife of John. Whoa. She helped. uh, So she she goes up there. She's the beard. She bids. Who helped pay the price tag of $4.3 million, which is like $46.5 million today? Oh, God. Yeah. She's like, here's my bid. Who helped her? Um, big, tuna. big tuna. Big tuna. Big tuna. Wow. So there's John Factor running a casino uh-huh. with the mob.
3: <laughs> with Anthony Cardo, With because, Anthony Cardo, Like, the, like d- the mob. <laughs> yeah,
0: so the Factors, though, they're becoming a fixture, not in, in Vegas, but mm-hmm. in LA. Okay. They lived at 1185 Loma Linda Drive in Beverly Hills. Oh,
3: nice. Nice which, area.
0: A property that is actually currently for rent as of this recording. <laughs> did you
3: check on Zillow? Oh, of course I did.
0: <laughs> it's $32,000 a month to rent this place. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's a yeah. lot more. It's a, It's a Okay, it's so on a little more than half acre. Uh-huh. Yeah, you looks, won't get a lot. looks yeah. out over the city of angels and mm-hmm. the ocean beyond. Uh, so the factors were living large. Yeah. If you want to go look on Zillow, you can tour the home <laughs> uh, rabbit hole. So uh, <laughs> at the John Factor, he's still owning and running the casino mm-hmm. and giving a taste or a very big bite to yeah. Ricardo. Um, but they were very generous in their philanthropy, uh, John and his wife. In 1960, John Factor was the largest individual donor to John F. Kennedy's presidential campaign <laughs> with $20,000. That's well, like $200,000 today. The
3: Chicago outfit got John Kennedy uh-huh. elected. So. Oh.
0: so it's always good to buy influence. Yes,
3: exactly. In 19- Get in on the ground floor of a presidency.
0: <laughs> you'll see. In 1962, he sells the hotel and casino, mm-hmm. a very, very profitable hotel and casino, mm-hmm. for only $14 million, to another mob frontman, Mo Dalitz. Oh, and so Mo Green. Yeah, in the seven years that he ran it, yes. the casino brought in close to two hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. and then he turns around and sells it for fourteen million. Yeah, so quite you, the deal. You know for the Godfather, Mo, Mo Green. Mo right? Green yeah, is yeah. Exactly. So later that year, someone darkened his doorway. Mm-hmm. Another mobster.
3: Oh, I'm guessing close. Oh, the feds. Oh, so
0: remember that whiskey warehouse receipt thing? Yes. He was convicted on multiple counts of mail fraud. That's a tough did one. Did time.
3: Mail fraud gets you every time.
0: And remember how I told you that the border guards in El Paso uh, were told that he was born in England? Mm-hmm. Well, it seems since his whiskey scam conviction, immigration laws had changed. It used to be that in order to deport someone, they had to be convicted in at least two separate cases before deportation proceedings could move forward. Now just one? The law changed. A person was now deportable if they got convicted of more than one count in a single case.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Thusly, Factor could now be deported. Yes. So the same law had just been used to issue a deportation order for Frank Costello, okay, yep, yep, boss of the Luciano yep. bribe family. Uh, the government tried to strip his naturalized citizenship in the 50s, but mm-hmm. it didn't work out. But now they're going after John Factor. So Factor... Wow.
3: And he's got 24 years hanging over him if this goes through. It, exactly.
0: So he had recently been named Man of the Year by a local Jewish charitable organization. Of course. He goes and he tells the press he's outraged.
3: As Man of the Year, As I find... Man how... of the
0: Year. It keeps coming up in all the news articles that like, you know, he was named Man of the Year but and they don't name it. It's just a local Jewish charitable organization. I don't know. It's one that he started. Um, so this is what he tells the press. Yes. Quote, I just can't believe it. It's a horrible thing. This conviction happened 20, Years ago. Since then, I've always cooperated with the government. As far as I'm concerned, I believe I am just as good an American as anyone. I will fight this case all the way. What else can I do? Hey, got got a point. I mean, he's
3: pretty much laying it out there.
0: Remember, Factor had friends in high places. Oh
3: yeah, and low ones.
0: Yeah, it was uh, U.S. Attorney General Robert Kennedy who put the wheels in motion to deport Factor. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. RFK was going hard on organized crime. He was so wild
3: about that. It was he, crazy. They get him elected. He's like, I'm going to bite the hand that feeds me and go after anything else I can. Right.
0: Well, so what triggered the look at Factor was the low sales price of the Stardust. Of course.
3: No, that's how it's hinky yeah. as hell. And
0: RFK wanted to know who really owned the Stardust. Yeah, every, yeah. He and the Nevada Gaming Commission were looking into the Stardust in hope of capturing like hidden mafia assets. He has them on Rico. Yeah. So. RFK had to be stopped mm-hmm. in factors estimation. Yeah, of course. And the only The only help would come from his brother JFK.
3: Max Factors' brother. Oh wait, oh <laughs> I got it. Okay, go on. So,
0: remember Factors' $20,000 donation yeah, to, to President the, Kennedy. Uh-huh. It didn't stop there. I bet not. Um, here's what happens. A made man working for Chicago mob boss Sam Giancana. Yep. He goes outside of the bar where they all hung out, like their little clubhouse. Yeah, and
3: Sam's the one who got him elected, got JK right. elected.
0: So this maid man walks out and he walks up to an FBI surveillance tail parked across the street. It's mm-hmm. like leans up against the car. And this is what agents <laughs> later relayed he said, quote or this is their report. Okay. English is bemoaning the fact that the federal government is closing in on the organization and nothing can be done about it. He made several bad remarks about the Kennedy administration and pointed out that the attorney general raising money for the Cuba invaders makes Chicago's syndicate look like amateurs.
3: Wow. See, here's what he's referring <laughs> That's to. That's a threat. <laughs>
0: this is his reference. RFK had been working the phones trying yes. to drum up donations to help rescue Bay of Pigs survivors. Yes. After their fiasco. And it wasn't just a kind request. It was mafia-flavored. Yeah. He would tell executives and rich guys, you know, hey, you know, you have contracts waiting to be approved by the government. There's a shakedown. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you have a pending criminal case. He just calls them up. Hey, did you know this? This will get you
3: to the top of the line. This will keep you out of jail. But no, not even
0: that. Not this will do that. He just says, here's a fact. Mm -hmm. You have a contract that needs approval. And when they try and say something, he would cut them off. And he'd say, you know, it's crazy. We have this fund to rescue the Cubans. So he's never telling him, if oh, yeah. you do this. Yeah, I mean,
3: you can't say the tit for tat, but you say one, yeah. then you say the other, and that's the only thing you say.
0: And then he'd hang up. Yeah. That was it. So total shakedown. Factor knew about this, mm-hmm. and he knew that it would be leverage. So he donated $25,000 to this fund. To the dirty for fund. For Bay of Pigs. Yeah. And when asked by the press about it, he said, it's just because it's a cause I believe in.
3: I'm a good American. I'm a good American. What can I do?
0: Christmas Day, 1962. Uh-huh. John Factor. The is, law is always
3: busy on Christmas
0: Day. It's always busy. Well, especially here. He gets pardoned by President Kennedy.
3: Oh, there you go. And the this, Christmas Day pardon? This
0: completely wiped his record, put an immediate stop to the deportation order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Factor said of the pardon, quote, I'm very surprised and grateful. I hope I have earned it. It's a wonderful Christmas present, and I believe justice has been done.
3: And JFK said, now leave Bobby well, alone. And
0: what's weird is that it's like, you know— Anyway, I'll get to this part. So not everyone is so happy. Uh GOP National Chairman William Miller says, quote, I think it is incumbent on the administration to assure the American people in no uncertain terms that the presidential pardon granted John Factor is in no way connected with the fact that he and his wife were substantial contributors to the cause of the Democratic Party. Our system of justice would be in great jeopardy if the day comes when persons of wealth can obtain leniency in such a manner.
3: Too many words, bro. Oh,
0: I'm like, dude, are you new here? You this just... is how it works.
3: And you got to say it faster than that. Like, like Even in the 60s, you got to <laughs> yeah, say it faster like, than that. Of
0: course, if you have money, you get out of things. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's what happens. Anyway. Um, I so... suspect
3: this is an excessive use of dirty money. Like, say something like that. I don't know. It
0: I, wasn't my use of dirty money. It was someone else's. Exactly.
3: Use. This is not how we use dirty money in this town. <laughs>
0: What's crazy, though, is that um, RFK uh-huh. had actually changed the protocol for pardons right before this all happened. How so? Well, OK, it used to be that the request went to the Department of Justice mm-hmm. and then it went to the president mm-hmm. and he swapped it. I don't know why. So requests had to go right to the top and then be sent to the DOJ to execute them.
3: Oh, OK. So they just so, finalized the paperwork?
0: Yeah. And so the thing is, though, is that most usually like these would come in in a group mm-hmm. of pardons. And Factors, it was like a solo yeah. submission. It was the only one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty. Anyway. Um, so, the threat of deportation has gone away. And so did the investigation into the Stardust. Slate equals clean. Nice. He never walked away from criminal life completely. What? At one point, he tried to bail out Jimmy Hoffa from financial troubles related wow. to Florida real estate.
3: Really taking the wrong side on that one.
0: Yeah. He had another shady stock deal, this time with Murray Humphreys, his old mob pal. Uh-huh. But for the most part, he spent his sunset years as a philanthropist. Like a uh,
3: legit philanthropist? Legit. Oh, okay. And then you
0: look at newspaper articles, like they'll reference, they always reference the kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And then there are like veiled references to the shadiness. And then mm-hmm. sometimes they'll talk about mob connections, but very rarely in these yeah. newspaper articles okay. uh, at the time. And yeah. then they just say he's a developer. He's a businessman. Um hmm. So, the legitimate businessman. <laughs> exactly. So, he donated money to build all sorts of parks and buildings and like social efforts. Uh,
3: so, he was money washing his name.
0: Yeah. All over yeah. California, but yeah. particularly in inner city underserved communities. That's ah, where he really like okay. dumped money. So, he died in 1984. He was 91 years old. His funeral was attended by three U.S. senators and the mayor of Los Angeles. Damn. What year? 84.
3: Uh, so, Tom Bradley? Tom
0: Bradley. Wow. And he's alongside hundreds of people who he'd helped through charitable donations over the years. Not bad for a poor kid from Poland.
3: Seriously. And to be the lesser factor. I mean, he's not Max he's Factor. The, exactly. And well, he's still
1: killing it. And
0: a lot of accounts said that he died from a long, undisclosed illness. But, like, he was 91. That illness was life. <laughs> like, it finally got him, you
3: know. I imagine it like, prostate cancer or something like Probably that. Probably something long, like that. Well, anyway, ones. so
0: he, uh, yeah, he's a long way from Poland. Dang. Yeah. I loved all the Amazing. mob of it all. What is your ridiculous takeaway?
3: That I did not know Anthony Ricardo's nickname was <laughs> Big Tuna. Like I mean, the, the, wow, Burnett, I'm really falling down in the game. I mean, I, I hope my father didn't hear this one. <sighs> oh man. No, that was great. Uh I loved that I did not know that Max Factor's brother was a mobster and that he was so connected to so many yeah. mobsters that I did love and have learned about throughout my childhood. I mean, I've heard all these stories of these guys, never really heard about the Lester Factor.
0: Well, I think something that I love, thank you for asking, oh, is that oops. Uh, <laughs> the fact that. Um, here, his nickname is Jake the Barber, yeah, totally. and he never kills anybody. No, or, yeah. He's not violent. No, like
3: Doesn't even bring blades into yeah. his stuff. Other so you than, think, like, oh, no. He briefly the, worked as a barber.
0: Jake the Barber, and he's just like, no, literally, I cut her. Yeah, so, he's yeah, he's lucky he I didn't liked. work
3: as like a garbage man or like a fishmonger. I mean, that could have <laughs> stuck with him. He Jake the Fishmonger. That would have sucked. <laughs>
0: that would suck. That's it. That's all I got. That's a good one. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, you can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com. There's merch there or so I've heard I'm
3: starting the Frank Nitty fan club there
0: yeah they're like fan club packages I should say that these are not I good know, people you right they're horrible <laughs> uh, maybe some like platform boots there I you should go should sell platform boots I like that yeah uh, we're at Ridiculous Crime on Twitter Instagram how about threads. hip waders yeah hip waders yeah, are if, like, good yeah like
3: walking into like deep water Panama hats yes
0: yeah toe rings ooh okay. I like where your head's at uh, we have an email address yes. also you can leave a talk back on the iHeart app so do that that's it bye bye Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett, produced and edited by Dave the Candlestick Maker, Kustin. Research is by Marissa the Beanbag Brown and Andrea the Dustpan, Song Charpentier. The theme song is by Thomas the Salad Spinner, Lee, and Travis the Bilge Pump, Dutton. Executive producers are Ben the Flat Tire, Bolin, and Noel the Toilet Duck, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time.
2: Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at TrinitySchool.org. That's TrinitySchool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's
1: biggest paranormal podcast is going
3: on a road trip.